Welcome to the Future of Work Live. Hosted by Mark Salisbury, author of the new book, Socrates Digital for Learning and Problem Solving. Each 25-minute episode with Mark and his guests prepares you for the upcoming new world of work. Welcome to the Future of Work Live. I'm Mark Salisbury, your host. Today, Bob Grassberger will be my guest and he will answer the question, does social capital matter in a work from anywhere world? So join me in welcoming Bob to our show. Hey, Mark, how are you this afternoon? <laughs> I am good. Good to see you, Bob. And for those people who don't recognize Bob immediately, he is an emeritus faculty member at the University of New Mexico and the former vice chair of the New Mexico Workforce Development Board. While working on knowledge management projects in the early 2000s, Bob became interested in the idea of social capital and how it affects both work, productivity, and innovation. Over the last decades, he's continued to study and apply what he's learned about social capital in his companies, in his work in the workforce and economic development, and in the classes he teaches. So welcome to the show here, Bob. Good to see you. Thank you for thank you for having me in, Mark. Good to see you as well. So let's go ahead and get to our very first question here. And for people who are kind of scratching their heads, what is social capital got to do with my success at work? So, you know, I became interested in social capital, just as a little background. Uh, about 20 years ago, we I was working for a knowledge management company, and we were trying to figure out how information flowed in the organization. Where were the bottlenecks? How was this... How, how was it that things, uh, ideas didn't get passed along? And we encountered this concept of social capital. And if we distill it to the salt, really what social capital is, is the value you get from knowing other people. That the idea that relationships offer us value, offer us benefits. And, you know, I mean, if we think about it, we're social animals. We, you know, we we don't have claws and fangs. And anthropologists tell us that the reason that we survived was because we could get together in teams. We would share information, and so our relationships are important, and they've been important for a very, very long time. And as a matter of fact, they're instrumental to our our survival. Um, so indeed. We see that that same thing is true in, in our organizations, that our relationships give us access to resources that we might not other, otherwise have. Um, for example, information. You know, you if, if you're in a, a, an organization and you don't know how to do something, well, we all think we can just Google it. But the reality is, is 80% of the time we go looking for another person and we say, hey, what can you tell me about this? Or who do you know that can tell me something about this? Uh, another component of social capital that's hugely important, and I don't know that we think about this a lot, is uh, reciprocity. If I do something for you, I often expect that you'll do something for me. That's just the way society works. And, and if you think about it in an organization, that matters as well. Um, if you're always a, always a taker and never a giver, your social capital declines. So in terms of, of uh, some of the benefits that we see in workplaces, in organizations, 
um, that have high social capital, we see higher production in, in terms of uh, their overall efficiency because people are sharing info back and forth. We see that they're more innovative, that, that they're more creative because, uh, again, people are sharing ideas. And then kind of on a, a, a scale that we typically don't measure, um, we tend to see that they're happier when there's camaraderie, when people feel that they've got friends at work, um, they're, they're happier in the workplace, which in itself then goes to uh, towards reducing or, or improving your retention, reducing your atrophy from, from losing people. So there's kind of in a nutshell uh, what it is and, and what we benefit, the benefits that we accrue from it. So you're so saying that there's something to this, 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 uh, this uh, touchy-feely touchy thing with people. Absolutely, right? Well, I mean, we all know. No, but we can echo if you want to. Uh, you and I can practice. <laughs> well, I am on my <laughs> system, so you know, uh, you just never know. There's ghosts in the internet, you know, Bob. And there so are. They they come out sometimes, and uh, I'm getting a little bit of an echo, but it's long as it's just me, and and you can still hear me, that's fine. So, but you know, whenever you talk about social capital, and I've heard you talk about it before, is is there's always this this question it's kind of squishy you know and how do we know it's real and and people have studied this and and the things that you were saying as a summary of that is that correct indeed i mean it's been it's been so i mean really the concept of social capital is quite old it's 40 50 years old um you know in, in the sense of people who study anthropology and sociology and it only really emerged in the last 20 years in in organizations where people said we could utilize this in organizations um and and there's been a ton of work where people are tracking down things in in people's social networks like trust bonds and uh who's important in the networks and how things happen so yeah, yeah, there's a lot of support in the literature and there's a lot of support now because people have practiced it for 20 years, right? Okay, well, I, I think the next question we would wanna know is, okay, so what happened to social capital during COVID? So, you know, uh, if you really think about it, uh, a lot of our face-to-face -face relationships during COVID went away. I mean, what was it, a year ago, March, March 2020, that all of a sudden everything got shut down, and we went from uh, not being in, not being able to be in the places where we build social capital. So, for example, um, you know, we think about the water cooler. The water cooler was a place, or or having coffee with people. This was a place where we could build relationships, build the 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 depth of our relationships, build trust bonds, share with other people. I mean, the work that we did on knowledge management. One of the things that we found was we like to promote collisions so that there were serendipitous kind of exchanges of information. All of that during COVID disappeared. We moved into a digital world, right? And, and indeed we were probably fortunate because we had digital tools that a decade before, or maybe you know, 15 years before, we wouldn't have had. So we had things like LinkedIn, things like Zoom and um, uh, Teams, Microsoft Teams. Um, and we were able to move over to these. But what has happened, uh, and, and this was a really interesting study that was done by the Microsoft people. So they had a massive pool of subjects, like 64,000 people that they studied, who all went uh, on a work for home basis. What happened to, to uh, people in terms of their social capital was 
that they kind of hunkered down and narrowed in. So instead of instead of meeting new people, instead of linking with new people, they they siloed and they began to only talk to a limited few people, people where they already had high trust bonds, people where they already had relationships with, which meant you basically get into an echo chamber at that point, right? Because you're talking to everybody that has the same ideas as you do. Um, and, and so we saw a total decline in social capital actually. Well, let, let's go to a related subject. One of the things I've talked to my wife about that she tells me she works for a large medical device company. And basically she says that, you know, all that water cooler stuff and in the hall stuff is gone. And she says that whenever you are using these new tools, right, uh, Teams and Zoom and all that, people tend to just get down to business and then if they can quit the, quit early on the on in the meeting, they do. And so you would think that does this even matter? I mean, does social capital even matter given that uh, we have all these tools now to communicate electronically? So, you know, Joan's metaphor there, Joan's discussion of what, what she sees as the benefit is absolutely true. I think that, you know, from my perspective, I do Zoom meetings or I do uh, WebEx or whatever, and I think, boy, this is great. I didn't have to drive to that meeting. I didn't have to spend all this time interacting with people, et cetera, et cetera. And it seems initially on the surface that our productivity is way up because of this. But in the long term, the idea behind social capital is that we develop these relationships, we develop trust bonds, and we share things with people that we might not otherwise share. Um, one of the challenges with online environments is, number one, there's often not space to build any kind of a relationship. So, for example, I, I may interact with a team, but I don't actually know anything about that team other than the work we're working on. And there's this whole space called called uh, Swift Trust, and and we've seen this. I mean, this is again not new. This is 20 years old, where we've seen people develop. They develop what they call Swift Trust on project based meetings, but the longer term, they don't have uh, they don't have these bonds built, and so your your creativity falls off. Your sharing falls off. Uh, and, and so, and I think, I, I, I'm not trying to denigrate, I'm saying, you know, there are ways to overcome this. I think it's just, we haven't really uh, spent a ton of time yet to, to, to learn how to build uh, deeper bonds in a, in a digital environment. I, I think there's some, some tools that are being introduced that may try to go to that. I think, uh, you know, for example, Facebook is now coming out with their metaverse, right? And I don't know if you've seen anything on that, <laughs> um, what was that thing that we used to use the uh, the software that was the islands where people built their own islands and all that? What was the oh, avatar? Second life. Second. Life. second life. Uh, yeah, I, I, the 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 graphics that I've seen the metaverse uh, look more like Second Life than they do the holodeck, right? To me. <laughs> um, and, yeah. and I think, but I think what they're trying to get to is a point where you get. Uh, a, a broader sense of of uh, what people are trying to express than you typically would in in for example email. Um, so so I think that we're moving towards some of those kind of things. Well, you know, it's been my observation, and and I've worked in in large companies, and um, it's been my observation that there's a lot of people that are kind of at the same level, 
And in the, in, the, in the corporate world, we call this being able to influence people. As we know, when you're someone's supervisor, it's kind of easy to influence them because you can just kind of tell them what to do. But a lot of our work world is not that way, is that you have to influence people. And almost always, this is that thing that you said, it's this kind of, of, of uh, trust that you have in someone. And you're actually kind of asking them to do a favor for you, right? And I mean, it's under their work thing, but you're saying, you know, I really need this data by Thursday because we're putting this together and they're not your direct report. And so you're asking them to do that. And then, of course, you in turn are asked by other people. And it seems to me like this is what you're talking about with social capital is that it's hard to build this in our digital environment right now because we miss all those opportunities to walk in from the parking lot with someone, help them carry a box of their kids' photos or something with them. And all those little things that seem like they waste our time, but actually are quite valuable in the end of in the things. Is, is that, am I way off base here? No, absolutely. I mean, it's it's really, it, it's kind of hard. It's harder. Let's make it harder. And again, we're going to need to start thinking about how can we do this? Because uh, I mean, if you, especially with regard to knowledge workers, if you read what's being, what's coming out of the surveys, um, there's, people are saying that they only want to be in the office three days a week at the max, right? And And companies are increasingly recognizing that there are some benefits from a cost perspective in terms of reducing their their uh, brick and mortar footprint. So we we probably are going this way is is the bottom line. Um, but you're absolutely right. That's the challenge, right? And if you think back in the the knowledge management work, um, there was this there were these two perspectives. One was this Western perspective that we could put, we could digitize everything, put all of our data into knowledge bases. The other side was what we called the Eastern perspective. And the idea in the Eastern perspective was that we needed to promote these productive collisions. That thing you're talking about, about helping somebody carry in the box of their pictures of their kids. Or, you know, I, I don't know if you remember, there was a point where, um, we were even building buildings where we had a central staircase rather than multiple staircases so that people would have to bump into each other or we would put whiteboards around uh, the walls in a common area so that people could uh, could bump into each other and, and come in, you know, and have these these uh, massive epiphanies amongst themselves. And, and so um, with all that gone, right, with all of that gone, we need to figure out how to do that online. And we are seeing some of this, right? I mean, when you teach, I, I don't know, you're teaching online, I assume. Um, oh, I am. Put, yeah, we all are, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah. You, you, can put, you can put people into breakout rooms and, and kind of promote collisions there, right? And so there are ways to do it. It's just, it's, it's tougher and we don't build the trust bonds. I mean, when you're working on a project, there, there's two components to trust. The first one is, is uh, competency. Do I believe you're competent? I think we all believe that the people on our teams are competent, right, for the most part. And the second part to it is benevolence. Do I believe that they actually care about me? That doesn't get well expressed in, an, in a virtual environment. Yeah. So um, there's a little rant for you. How's that? <laughs> well, that, that takes us to this who's who's been listening with us quite attentively i i just just know i can 
me just feel it, is, you know, what can knowledge workers do to increase social capital in today's technological world? What is What are the, some of the small things that we can do to kind of build that social capital that's really hard to do right now? So I, I know I'm on your show and we promote your book, but I, I want to tell you about, uh, there's a book out by a guy named David Berkus and it's called Friend of a Friend. And uh, Berkus actually does a really nice job of talking about how to build social capital, but also how to, uh, a lot of his exercises, it was written in 2018, so a lot of the exercises that he talks about in here are how to do this in online environments. So that would be my first recommendation to, to take a look at, at Berkus's book. The other thing that I would tell you is that we all, in a digital world, we need to explore uh, what the structure of our personal networks are. And that's pretty easy to do. LinkedIn has a thing where they can tell you how many degrees of separation somebody is. I mean, Facebook has even, uh, I get a thing from Microsoft on my Outlook that tells me how collaborative I was each month. So we can look at the structure. I, I think what's important here is to look at that structure and see if it's homogeneous. If if everybody in your close network, everybody that you communicate with heavily, if they look exactly like you, if they're the same age, the same gender, um, you know, same education level, that's that's an echo chamber. That's a potential for being an echo chamber, right? So if you want to get new ideas, you need to be looking at expanding that that network. Then with regard to building social capital, when you're in these online environments, make sure that you're reciprocating. Make sure that you're not just a taker. Make sure that you're a giver as well. It's a, it's you know, one way or the other. Um, and and then help others to connect. Help others to to outreach to others. I, I think is the last thing that I would say there. Okay. And and I'm when you're talking about uh, whenever you're communicating and working with people, if they're exactly like you then that that's a kind of a, a condition to be alarmed about. And I just noticed that we're about the same age and we're the same sex. <laughs> so, maybe that, so I think I think you've inspired me to, to reach out beyond my generation and my, my uh, gender to other people who might have better or have a different point of view that might help this show. So, so, so you're for those people who are just watching, that's a plug for the next show. <laughs> Your uh, your litmus test, Mark, might be if the people understand your jokes about uh, Gilligan's Island, that they're probably uh, in your echo chamber. Well, I was just going to do the one about Kevin Bacon. When you're talking about the degrees of freedom, I go, oh, yeah, you mean like Kevin Bacon. And then I just realized there's probably a number of people watching this who go, I mean, you've heard of Kevin Bacon, but isn't he like a breakfast food or something? So, yeah. yeah. I think everybody's heard, though, of the six degrees of separation, the idea of the six degrees of separation, and that was Milgram. The idea that with, you know, by contacting our contacts and our contacts contacting their contacts, that we can get to anybody on the globe that we want. And that's been proven over and over again. Uh, and actually, the chain has shortened because of the Internet. It's relatively easy to get to, to uh, somebody you want to get to now because of and that's a positive for for LinkedIn and Facebook and things like that. So, yeah, I I, I absolutely uh, think yeah. that that's uh, important. Yeah, yeah, and then and it is built into our social networks, as you mentioned. LinkedIn has this connections, and it gives them degrees of of connectivity, uh, such as first level and second level and third level, and all of those kinds of things. And so. Yeah, 
so that's that's it. So that kind of brings us to, um, you know, what's what's our takeaway on this? So you know, what what's really important? Because as you know, the show we talk about a number of technical things, and we had Scott Moody on here a couple times back. A couple of guests ago, which is only a couple of weeks ago, and he was talking about how the Internet of Things is coming to work, right? And so it's a very kind of technical thing, but we're talking today, although it's part of the future of work, something that's been around since well, we have, right? And so, what does that mean for people who are working now? What's the big takeaway from the show? And I just summarize it as this, but I bet I'm missing some of this. It says the takeaway is build your relationships to build your future and so if we were yeah. talking huh? oh go ahead well i was just gonna say something very you know uh, inspiring to our members and younger members in our audience that you know this old wisdom that you have is 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 very much i think alive and well in in today's world and will be and so we have to think about how we communicate with people might be different now with these different new capabilities, but there's some essence here that's the same. Would you say that's true? Absolutely. I, I would tell you that as human beings, that relationships are, are still important to us, even if we're in a digital world, um, and that there's massive benefits to be accrued through harvesting our relationships. Yeah. Now, you've done some research in this area, I know, and you're very interested in it and try to practice it. Uh, what are kind of some of the things that you see on the horizon for, for this area here uh, for people to think about how, how can they basically build their social capital? Well, like I said before, I think that, that one of the things that we needed to do is to first be aware. I mean, ultimately, you can't take action until you're aware of it. And most of us are unaware that our, for example, our networks are so uh, homogeneous that, that they all look exactly alike. So uh, again, um, you know, elevate your awareness and, and then become attentive to it. Uh, and, and then you can take action. Um, and then think about this, since you're in meetings, online meetings, and you're in these online events, and you're on these online teams, um, how can I actually, how can I actually build depth? I, I think one of the things that always has fascinated me is that we have become concerned with how many LinkedIn friends or Facebook friends we have. The quantity is not near as important as the quality. So begin to look at those relationships. Where do I have high trust bonds? Who do I actually go to for advice? Is it the same people? Are they like me? Uh, who, who do I socialize with? And how could I actually um, uh, build deeper bonds in an online environment? Uh, so I think that's a, a good start. And again, I think that uh, the, the Dave Burkus's book, Friend of a Friend, does a really good job on a lot of this. I hear it's almost hear it's as good as my book. Good as my book. Uh, you know, there's nothing <laughs> as stellar as your books, but nevertheless. Uh, <laughs> but you know, what you're talking about is, I remember, is, is being uh, probably about 20 some years ago, is this uh, social network analysis, right? and all the connections you have, and then trying to evaluate the strength of certain connections. And then the words strong ties for some of these connections versus weak ties. And I think that's kind of what you're talking about here, that workers can take a look at this 
and then start to realize it's the strong ties that makes the difference. It's not, not that you know 10 million people casually because you went to a football game with them once, but the people that you can call upon when you need that report by Thursday and to be able to put into something larger that you're going to present on Friday. And so I think that's kind of the essence of it. Well, yes and no, right? Because there's value in strong ties, right? When you need high trust and you need somebody that's going to respond, but there's value in weak ties too. Those are the friends of a friend that ultimately can get you to places that you otherwise wouldn't have gotten to. So yeah. uh, benefits to both, right? I mean, and, and it's always the weak ties, by the way, that get you the job, right? It's it's not the strong ties because your friends yeah, all that's true. people you do. Yeah, yeah. So, and then your your friends also have to divulge that you're friends and so they can't be part of the decision. <laughs> so that's kind of how that works. Okay, so that's our takeaway. Build your relationships to build your future. And I want to thank you, Bob Grassberger, for being on our show today and being part of this. I want to remind our audience that our next episode is next Wednesday at 1 p.m. Central Time. It's always on Wednesday at 1 p.m. Central Time. and You can find us right here. So in the meantime, I hope you have a great week. We'll see you next week. And thanks to Bob Grassberger for being here. You can find the Future of Work live episodes in video and podcast format on www.marksalsbury.com. Additionally, YouTube hosts the video episodes on the Future of Work channel, and Apple, Spotify, and Google host the podcasts.